Hey guys, it's your host, Hakeem Vallis. Just wanted to thank you for listening to another episode of the St. Louis Small Business Podcast. I also want to just wish good health to everyone out there dealing with this coronavirus madness. Um, if you have the luxury of not having to deal with that or not having to deal with any mental health-related issues, I'd encourage you to stay on offense through these crazy times. Really, really hope you enjoy the episode, and here we go. This interview is with Connor Van Buskirk, the owner of Upshot Coffee, a cozy coffee shop located in Cottyville. Hakeem and Connor go deep into the challenges of entrepreneurship and what work-life balance means when you have a family as well. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the St. Louis Small Business Podcast. I'm here today with my esteemed guest, owner of Upshot Coffee and Beats and Bones, co-owner. Co-owner of Beats and Bones. Um, how do you say your last name? Van Bosperk. Gotcha. No one mess it up. Um, Connor, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to be able to shoot this podcast with you. I, up until we started randomly texting a couple days ago through our our friend that comes here. Shout out to Elena I, Pavia. She's great. Uh, and she would you do that? Absolutely. So I'm excited that those random occurrences bring new people into my life that maybe I can learn from and Serendipity. you know can't beat that. Have a good conversation. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Um, before we kind of get into a little bit of the nitty gritty of your you know your business and everything, you know, take us back to say Connor as a kid and you know where you came from, what type of kid you were, and um, you know just honestly that like what type of person were you growing up in that sense. You know, we grew up in a, a small town called Elsa, Illinois. My parents were both Christian scientists. Um, we grew up on Principia College campus. So it was a very insular, um, very religious community. Um, and my dad was kind of the, he worked for the college, but he was kind of the hippie for the college. Like <laughs> gotcha. He was a guy, you know, trying to institute vegetarianism. He led yoga classes and, you know, back in 1988, that wasn't what it was today. So he was kind of always on the outside, even though he worked there, he always had a bigger vision for that. Now that, in essence, caused different issues because he was always kind of, he had this personality where he was always kind of pushing back against the man Absolutely. like he you know he was yeah he was always pushing back so we grew up in that small community um, when I was a kid honestly I was extremely curious extremely restless I don't sit around well I need to be learning things all the time I love to be around people although that's changing more and more as I get older I'm kind of enjoying a long time more <laughs> now but I was very restless I got into a lot of trouble just out of boredom and it was never big things but it was just dumb things because I had, you know, 18 hours to kill and I kind of, yeah. And, uh, you know, my dad, uh, worked a lot. He always had his, his day job, which was running the cafeteria for Principia college. And then we had the cleaning businesses on the side. So on nights and weekends, we would spend our time cleaning churches and cleaning dentist office and just all those things as a family to make, you know, make ends meet. And so a lot of our life was, was working and then unstructured time. Mm, gotcha. And then did you have, I know obviously even just watching and growing, say a family cleaning business along the way, did you have entrepreneur tendencies yourself? I didn't realize it at the time, but I always dreamed about being older and being able to make my own decisions. I think I really struggled being in someone else's system. Even as a, even as a child, I just wanted to be out on my own, doing the things that I wanted to do, the way that I wanted to do them. Um, and 
And so I couldn't wait to get out on my own. And I always dreamed that I was, I loved cars when I was a kid. Um, and I always dreamed that I would own a car dealership as ridiculous as that is. I was like, I'm going to own a car dealership. Like, so I wanted to be in business. I knew that I wanted to be in business. Um, I had no reason to believe I should be in business, but for some reason I was, I was drawn to that. That's real. When, when would you say you first tapped into that, like to that, you know, that itch, that feeling in that sense? Um, well, my mom and dad divorced, and my mom remarried, and she remarried someone that was from a business family. Okay. And so I got exposed at, you know, 17, 18 to someone that made decisions differently than just survival. And, you know, so I began to learn a little bit, or a lot, from just observing the way that that family and those people that had all these things that they could do the way that they maintained and, and worked around all of that mm -hmm. and you know so at that point I started to think a little bit differently and at 21 I, you know my stepdad helped me buy my first house you know he gave me the, the deposit or the you know the 20% down yeah. and I bought a house that was his that he was renting that he wanted to get rid of gotcha. so we bought that with help and uh, I, it was a three bedroom and I was able to rent out two bedrooms to my friends and you know I figured out that I could have them pay my mortgage Attack. Yeah. So, you know, that was the first step into it. And, you know, like a lot of people, you know, I think this is something that maybe doesn't get talked about a lot is a lot of people that get started in business oftentimes have help from other people. 100%. There's very, there are, there are stories out there where you just literally white knuckle it for the next, you know, 20 years, you never have any help <laughs> yeah. and then you hit it big and those are great stories. But the majority of people that I know that have been able to be successful in business had help along the Way. That's real. What, what type of advice would you give to those people? Just in a very practical sense, like you know, you hear, if you're you know a younger person, you hear like, oh, I want to start a business, I need to get help along the way. What type of steps do you think they should take to start figuring out how and who to get that help from, and like, what should they be doing to actually get that help as well? I think you look for someone or somewhere where you can get in early. You know, this is what I would say if you're trying to. If you don't have the money or the family to, to really launch something, I think there's something to be said for finding someone that needs your help. You work hard and unselfishly with no expectation of something in return. You make yourself so invaluable and so productive that now they want you to be a part of what they do versus losing you. You know, that's something I tell people all the time. Like, don't come into a business and tell them, I'm a genius and I want money now and you should fund me. You know, go into a business, put your head down, grind, show yourself to be so valuable that through that work, people are begging you to be a part of what they're doing. That's right. And you know, so don't put, what is it, the cart in front of the horse? Yeah. If, you, if you don't have those connections or you have someone willing to just help you out because they love you and their family or they're a friend or you marry the right person or you have an NFL career where you all of a sudden have access to some money mm -hmm. or, you know, there's, there's a million ways that people find money, but if you don't have any of those, get your ass into business, 100%. work your ass off, and people, when they see that you're able to create extreme revenue because you're smart and you work hard, will invest in you. That's real. I, I think everyone has three things. Money, talent, or time. Yep. <laughs> you know, most young people don't have money. If they had talent, they'd be on TV. But they have time. And I think most, I don't want to say most, but a lot of people aren't necessarily willing to put that work in. And what's your thought on, I feel like some people have 
know if the right word is audacity, um, but to think that, no, it's not audacity. It's almost manipulation. I think it's naivety. <laughs> I like that. When I look back at you know the faith that I had in myself to take someone else's money or the faith I had in myself to launch a business with real, no real experience, just a lot of ideas and a lot of want to, I look back and I think to myself, I was extremely naive at what I was getting into. 100%. Um, the people that supported me loved me enough to overlook that, and they believed in me to some degree. Um, but I would say everything I've done, I've kind of jumped into headfirst, been completely naive, and then tried to figure it out as I go. Honestly, that's my motto is shoot first, aim later. Yeah. Uh, at least to get started, because I think a lot of people get caught up on, oh, I want to start my first business. How do, how do I start an LLC? What do I do next? Like, oh, I gotta get an EIN number. What do I do next? And like, don't even have a business plan yet. Yep. You know what I mean? I think uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think naivety is, you could call it a blessing and a curse because I think there's a point of naivety. Am I saying that right? Na naivete? Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, where it almost some people cross the line and go into a, an area of delusion. Yep. Um, and that's obviously a yeah interesting you know line to balance in that sense. Where so after you bought that house at 21 from your step uh, your stepdad you house hacked it and all that. What kind of happened next after that? So shortly after that, I met the woman that I am now married to. So I was I think 21 when I bought that. I met Stacy, my wife. Maybe I don't know. I'm horrible at time, but <laughs> six months to a year after that, you know, we were married. I think I was married at 23. We're getting ready to celebrate 17 years, and I'm only 39, so wow. maybe 22. But we <laughs> we got a quick start. So yeah. you know, I met her. We dated like six months. We knew that we wanted to be married. So I think we were together for about a year. We loved to Jamaica. Got married. That's we came awesome. back. Um, rented out that three bedroom house because um, we didn't need three bedrooms and bought a little thirty thousand dollar fixer upper in actually St. John's over in North County where my wife is from. Okay. It was you know like three houses up from her parents mm -hmm. and uh, we rehabbed that one. We lived there for a couple years and then we were able to you know kind of step up to a second house that was a thirty thousand dollar house and meanwhile the hundred and fifty thousand dollar house in Maplewood that's three bedrooms could generate revenue for us. That's awesome. So that was kind of the next step. You know, we we did some of that stuff. At that point, we knew we wanted to be in business, so we didn't really know outside of the real estate what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But my wife's mother had worked for a, a company in St. Louis called Chocolate, 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 which was founded by the Abel family. I mean, they're getting huge now, but at that time it was, I think, two two locations, mm -hmm. one by Ted Drew's and another gotcha. one over in Kirkwood. And they started a franchise. There was a few franchises out there. So my mother-in-law said, listen, you know, I don't want to own it or anything, but if you guys want to buy one of these franchises and get it going, I'll help you do that. And so she made the call and, and we were able to get this little chocolate store going over in, in Deerbergs, over here off of Highway yeah. 94, which we've also had for 16 years now. Um, you still have it. Yeah, yeah. my wife runs that. And then we have a uh, another one off of Bogey Hills Plaza in Zumba. And how, what's like the day to day of that store? I'm pretty removed from it now, but oh. essentially make some strawberries, make some clusters, make some barks, you know, wait for people to walk in, make some calls wholesale. It's it's really 
it's a business that you make all your money the week of Christmas, the week of Easter, the week of Valentine's Day, the week of Mother's Day, and the rest of the year, it's, you know, more more stagnant. So you've really got to hit those holidays. Yeah. You know, your February will be more than June, July, August, September, and October together. That's crazy. That's the way that business works. Absolutely. So we we started that. We we started one of those, and we had some opportunities to open up a couple more. We grew that to four locations, and at that time, I was running them. Stacy and I were having our two boys, so she was more stay at home. She always helped, but she was more stay at home, and uh, grew that to four locations. At that point, I thought I'd just own 30 of these things, and that would be what I would do. Um, But throughout that process, process I realized that stocking shelves and not necessarily being able to create anything I mean it goes back to once again my childhood within a franchise you're within these this framework of what you're allowed to do because it's not actually yours so real. you're paying someone for the right to do a system that they gave you That's which is so beautiful real. if you just want to you know print money or make money and you want to do it within that system and you want to kind of be more hands-off but about five years in, I got really restless and bored, and I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. Gotcha. So we closed a couple of those locations, because the other thing I realized is I had a lot of overhead running around between four stores, four sets of employees, you know, four different stores where things could go wrong. So, you know, we, we went back down to the two that we have now, and at that point, I started teaching myself how to make chocolate, because at Chocolate Chocolate, what we were doing was making all of the, the coating things. So. You know, I could make a tuck of a strawberry, I could make a cluster, I could make a bark, anything that was basically just covering tempered chocolate with, you know, nuts, fruits, but all of our, you know, all of our caramels and truffles and all the higher end stuff came in from the the franchise, which is down on the hill. So I decided that I wanted to start teaching myself how to make everything just because I felt like there was a lot of interesting things within that and I felt like whether, if I was going to sell it, I should understand how it works. That's so real. You know, because I, I didn't even know how to make caramel at that point. I didn't know how to make a truffle at that point. So, just bought a book off of Amazon and in the back room with all the equipment that I did have and a bunch more that I had to acquire, I spent the next two or three years just making truffles and making caramels and being able to take my creative passion and turn it into something that I could enjoy and I could learn at the same time. So it led me to that and we were able to do that for a while and you know at first it was all pretty awful. (laughs) Uh, Although I was excited about it. Once again you're naivete. You think it's going to be you think the first thing you make you're like oh yeah this is awesome. (laughs) And now like and then like you know five years later you look back and you're like wow the fact that they didn't spit that out but as as it progressed, you know, years a couple years into it, I, I started to notice that people really enjoyed it and they wanted more and more of it, okay. which is kind Were of how we get out of the franchise at that point. No, um, I was worried that that would, you know, rub some wrong elbows. Right. I mean, it's it's a tricky situation to be selling something that's not within the franchise in the franchise. So that was not really um, a viable option for us. Which is how we then came to this idea of opening up BB Chocolate Bar. Gotcha. In Cottleville, we were like, all right, so we want to do these high-end truffles. We want to do it the way that we want to do it. Um, You know, one of the things that I wanted to address with the concept that I would own is I wanted to have coffee and alcohol involved so I would A, be able to expose a lot more people to chocolate because not everyone wants to walk into a chocolate store and just 
buy thirty dollars worth of chocolate. It's not really the way our culture works. That's real. Um, so I was like, if I can get them in here for chocolate, get them in here for ice cream, get them in here for alcohol, the goal is to expose them to this chocolate and make it a friendlier environment. So we opened up VB Chocolate Bar in the building that we're currently in now, and. Uh, that evolved for seven years. I mean, and it was really just to sell our chocolate. That's how it all started out. It morphed into significantly more than that. But the whole idea originally was to sell our caramels, our bourbon truffles, our goat cheese, parent goat cheese truffles. It was one of our classics that never went away. And so it served its purpose in doing that. That's interesting. And then tell us about, you know, a little bit about kind of the serendipity of how, like, the entire Beats and Bones relationship kind of got started here at what, what was then VV Chocolate Bar. So at that point, you know, I, I'm, I'm here five to six days a week, sometimes seven. Um, so I know a lot of my regulars really well. Um, and I enjoy talking to them. And I had a regular here named Nick Zotos who was a sales rep, and so he would come in here, get an espresso, you know, work remotely for an hour in the afternoon before he hit his next stop. And so we got to know each other, and I noticed during that time that he was having meetings with another restaurateur here in Conneville. Okay. You know, they were meeting once a week or whatever for a couple of hours, and then they stopped meeting one day, and I just said, you know, what are you meeting with, with Mike about? And he, he said, well, I've got this concept to do cold-pressed juice and bone broth. He goes, I've got, you know, and he laid it out for me. And he said, would you be interested? And at that time, I knew that I wanted to move on from the alcohol side of VB Chocolate Bar, and I wanted to focus on coffee. Um, and I was making some lifestyle changes myself. So I said, absolutely, dude. Like, I felt like this gift just dropped in my lap at the perfect time. Awesome. And I said, I absolutely want to do that with you. And so we worked out an agreement to and that was, I mean, that was probably two years before we ever sold anything. Like, that's sometimes how long all of this takes. It's so real. We made that handshake agreement, and, you know, I had to do a lot of things here to, to change this over to Upshot versus BB Chocolate Bar. And then we had to buy a, you know, an expensive hot cold pressed juicer because mm. one of the things that we <clears throat> both agreed upon in the very beginning was we were going to do organic, we were going to bottle in glass, and we were only going to do hydraulic cold pressed juice so that if we were selling you a juice that we claimed to be really good for you, it actually was. And those are three very important steps in that. The downside to that is that it's extremely expensive to start out that way. That is real. Um, so importing all of your glass bottles, uh, buying a $30,000 cold-pressed juicer, no the amount of inventory we sit on, um, all of that stuff that we had to do in order to get that going was, it would have been much easier for me to get a tabletop <laughs> robot coop yeah, yeah. and just run some juice through there and put it in plastic bottles and it probably would have been significantly more profitable right off the bat, but we're, we're kind of committed to if we attach our name to this and we say that it's going to be good for you, we would like to do it the correct way. 100%. Because we always have longitude Long term is that In that's mind. so real. Some people are trying to get that short term profit at the end of the day. You're trying to actually build what you're doing in perpetuity. It may be smarter, I don't know. It may be dumb. Like it may have been way smarter to just say, you know, throw some cheap stuff, sell it at the same price, I don't know, get man. this concept rolling, sell it off, and you know, retire, you know, whatever. But that's real. I'm too stupid to do that. So yeah, that's, that's that was some good stuff, by the way. What I do. That was uh I, I just tried some of his uh that was what was in that? Tumeric Temple. Tumeric Temple. So it's or tumeric 
ginger, lemon, MCT oil, Korean red pepper, um, and it's incredible for digestion, inflammation. Oh my God. For me personally, you know, we both had a lot of injuries that we kind of talked about ahead of time. Yeah. And inflammation, whether it's injuries, I mean, what we understand now is inflammation is, you know, can be up to like 90% of any issue in your body. It's crazy. Like, from these shots alone, I have like two guys I played with who's like, couldn't figure out what the hell was wrong with them for like months on months on months. And then they introduced, like we have refrigerators in our facility and literally he had his cocktail he had every day. And it was like three and a half, four weeks. And once he found his right balance, it was like a whole new player. Like it was wild. And now I mean, he's on a completely different team now. But like, all, all he's talking about is like, yeah, I'm always you know, still taking my shots every single day. And his refrigerator at home, he's got like a wall full of Honestly, shots. Honestly, you know, you can do that and you can treat yourself well and, and address a lot of issues or you can do what I was doing previously and take like nine Advil a day. And so, very true. I mean, <laughs> for me, I had significant pain and inflammation in joints from poor health style, poor lifestyle choices, injuries, mm -hmm. you know, lack of working out, all these things. And so I was taking three, three Advil three times a day just to, you know, That's get through real. my day comfortably. That's real. And, you know, when I started to, there's no magic bullets. So I started to eat better all around. I started to work out. I started to pay attention to all these things. And then I also started taking turmeric daily and all those things. Now I don't need to take Advil. So imagine what that's worth for my liver. Um, and Advil's a little bit cheaper for sure. Like it's that's more right. economical. 100%. Um, but is it more economical in the long term? And that's a luxury decision to make. Not everyone can make that, but. That is real. And how the concept of Upshot Coffee now, you guys kind of being, you know, uh, the Beats and Bones brand also with Upshot. Like, when and how, and actually why, did you decide to pair the coffee with the fresh pressed juices? So, one, we noticed, to be honest, we need a starting point. So with Upshot Coffee, when we decided to change VB Chocolate Bar to Upshot Coffee and give up the bar business and give up selling flatbreads and, and hummus plates all night long, you know, we went through about a five month period where we were just selling coffee and, until we did gotcha. the big remodel. So we closed the bar like December, you know, 30th or something like that. And then from January till May, we were in the middle of planning the the rehab of the building, the brand change, you know, getting all those things in line. And one thing we knew in that period was if we tried to survive on $5 transactions, mm -hmm. just selling someone coffee and maybe a scone, there was no way it was going to happen. That's real. So part of it was, you know, we need to get our average ticket up. We needed to expose ourselves to as many people as possible. So coffee and, and juice and broth kind of go hand in hand. So it's an added service to our customer. And a lot of our customers were looking for this kind of stuff and couldn't really find it. I mean, you can go to Deerberg's or Schnucks and you can buy some cold pressed juice that's been pasteurized and, yeah. you know, it's a week old and it's pasteurized so it can do that. And you can buy juice at other outlets, but it's 
you know, to my knowledge, not as great for you as what it should be. 100%. So we wanted to be able to roast our own coffee. We were always a guest roaster. So we'd always just carried other people's coffees. We wanted gotcha. to double down and invest in our brand. So we started roasting all of our own coffee so people could have a more intimate relationship with Upshot Coffee. We also could, at that point, create a new position in roasting and wholesale where people that loved what we did and were great employees and wanted to figure out how to make a career out of it, there was another avenue other than just being a barista where we could grow this wholesale side. We also could be significantly more profitable by doing that. Um, so we put all that together and the whole idea was just to make a sustainable business that we love that we could grow because one of the biggest issues with any business um, that relies on staff is if you can't grow and people are just an hourly employee with no benefits, mm. you're going to be stuck at one location, constantly cycling through school. high school and you know college kids, and you know so it's not long-term viable unless you can figure out how to grow this thing and then create area managers and wholesale departments and manufacturing and all these other things. So that's kind of what we're leaning towards now is how do we take it from one location that's doing these things really well and grow it to multiple locations so we have the volume to A, be really profitable, buy bigger amounts of things to make us more profitable yeah, yeah, yeah. and B, provide upward mobility for our employees to where if they love what they do and they want to be here, there is a step that they can move on to outside of That's real. just working the bar indefinitely and then having to go get a job, you know, 100%. doing a, you know, data entry or whatever it is that they would go to next. By setting that framework, have you noticed that and it could be something different as well because I just just frequent in this place a solid amount of times I've just noticed the employee culture here is it's pretty down to earth it's pretty dope like I'm kicking it here employees are kicking it chilling here some people buying food on their break hanging out I'm just doing work in the back how have you implemented that culture is it those steps that you just said and essentially setting the framework to say like you're not just going to be a barista who's going to work for eight bucks an hour and quit after two rounds of as a summer job like how have you kind of implemented that culture well one thing we did really horribly and i think everyone in third wave coffee did it pretty badly in the beginning was when you came in and we told you how you should drink your coffee like there was this big movement in third wave coffee where we're like here's what you're gonna have so it's this newest generation of coffee that does light roast and is heavy on pour overs and it's just the evolution of you know your, your traditional Folgers coffee to Starbucks yeah, yeah, yeah. to you know whether you're familiar with Blueprint or Intelligentsia or you know any of these people that are kind of pushing coffee to the next wave that focus on something different than just you know dark roasted coffee full of sugar free syrup. Gotcha. Um, so when we opened, we we really had an opinion on how coffee should be done, and we really tried to tell everyone that they should enjoy it our way. Mm-hmm. And along the way, I think. A lot of us have learned, and me specifically, have learned that we're actually in the hospitality business. We are we are in a business where 
our teammates, our, our employees all have to be on the same page. They have to have a, a great relationship because if there's a lot of what we do here is, is the customer experience in a good culture, a good vibe. If you're walk in here Energy. and you know two employees don't like each other and you know whatever it is, you feel that. So how do we create that teamwork to where whenever you walk in here and you pay for that coffee and you want to sit here and hang out, you feel welcome. You feel like you're a part of something that is, you know rewarding, like you just want to be here. We want it to feel like a place that people want to be. That's and right. when someone orders something and, and they ask for the latte to be extra hot, which in the third wave world, it's supposed to be served in an exact temperature. <laughs> like we are telling people what they like versus serving them things within our parameters of the way we would like to do it in a way that you already know you like. So whether we believe it's the best way or not, that was a transition is going, okay, um, we can still do it with our coffee and our Ozark Mountain Creamery milk, and we can still pull it the exact way if we want. But if you want it 10 degrees warm because you know that's how you like coffee, back in the day we would go, no, nah, I wouldn't recommend that. Now we go, absolutely, let's just get that to you because we're not trying to tell you how you should do it. We're trying to serve you in the best way possible that we can so you feel welcome here. That's real. I think one thing that, uh, the common theme that's popped up just after hearing you speak for the last how long we've been talking. It seems that, oh, you're all good. It seems that you, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have this problem in the 2020 world of everything being almost transparent, not transparent, the internet exposing everyone, essentially. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have a big problem with adjusting after they've set out this game plan. Okay, starting VB Chocolates, here's what I'm doing. And they'll run something like that into the ground way longer than it probably before they could have adjusted because of whether it's pride, whether it's they still on top of the mountain saying, I'm doing this, that, and that, and that, and that. It's and ego, right? Most of, it's ego. Oh, Most 100%. of our mistakes as human beings or adults or Americans or whatever we are is almost always ego driven. I am right, so this is should work. <laughs> right? Which once you realize that you're almost never right, you know, you have some right ideas, but you're really always evolving and taking the information given to you and then figuring out how to best operate within that. Once you can and I'm not perfect at it, but I'm better at it than I was 10 years ago. Once you can take your ego out of it and make decisions based on everything that you're witnessing and paying attention to, mm -hmm. you don't get stuck in that route of, I'm right, you're wrong. You go, yeah, I'm pretty much not ever right. Let me assess this situation. That's so real. And don't be scared to adjust if the facts aren't what you expected them right. to be. Taking on any investment yet. Now, as we look to grow it, mm -hmm. We are searching through those avenues of to go from just our fridges and this wholesale channel of getting into restaurants in St. Louis that we're at now. How do we grow this more effectively? We've looked at potentially franchising. We've looked at taking on outside investments. We can open up a, a few more cafes and really start to distribute. Mm -hmm. So those are conversations we're open to because the amount of self-funding that we're going to do for this, you know, is about where we are comfortable being. So. Mm -hmm. 
we can wait 10 years and you know <clears throat> slowly build that and that's certainly an option or we can partner up with the right people that understand what we're doing and get there a lot quicker and we're kind of discussing how we want to go about that now that's real that's uh that's awesome and then what advice do you have to say that young 21 year old 25 year old 33 year old 35 year old who's looking to whether it's making an adjustment in their life and getting into the entrepreneur space or taking a bet on themselves um, and actually you know doing going into business for themselves what type of advice do you have for them you better make sure it's something you can't live without because you know Five percent of the people have a great idea and they make money immediately, and you know it's a success. Ninety-five percent of people do it. It's significantly harder than you ever thought. You're not getting paychecks. You know, in my case, I'm married to a woman that understands all of that and backs me up on that. But also, if I was married to a woman that wasn't okay with living off, you know, we also adjusted our life to a point where. We don't have that many expenses. We That's don't, real. you know, we don't so have real. big car payments. We live in a two-bedroom house or a two-bedroom townhome. We don't take fancy vacations. We don't eat out a whole lot because we've all decided, we've all got on the same page, and our kids have to be there too, you know, that we are not going to compare ourselves to what other people are doing. We're going to stay focused on what we're doing because we believe for our family long-term, this is something that will be a very good thing for us. But if my wife needed, you know, new shoes every week or had a desire to travel all the time, this wouldn't be the business for me. This. You have to have people around you that understand that there's going to be sacrifice in order for you to build something. And they also have to be okay with the fact that if it never turns into anything and you declare bankruptcy and you move on and you go get a job in the office, they're okay with that because they're in it for the jersey the journey of living this life together versus what they can get out of every single thing so you know you, you really got to read the people around you and make sure that if you want to make these decisions you have people around you that are going to support you because if every time you turn around and you go hon i'm gonna you know instead of paying myself five thousand dollars i'm gonna go buy ten thousand bottles for beats and bombs because i believe that will make me more money in the long run and it's good for our brand and our business long term and you know she says absolutely not we're going to ski in aspen with the kids this summer it's an uphill battle. So you better make sure the right people are on board with you. That is so, so real. I, I felt that you talk about sacrifice and you know who you are and what you are for who you ultimately want to become in that sense. I, man, I was in the NFL. I only bought used cars, all cash, didn't have cable, did the same thing, house hacked, lived in a four unit apartment building with a section eight tenant living below me and people thought I was insane for that. That's so, I, I think the process is everything and most people fall in love with that end result and I don't think I think if you don't like that grind of living in a townhouse living you know on the grind being in here X amount of hours a day then it's probably ultimately not for you it's not you know we were I had a podcast called Two Pines and a Prayer and we were talking to my buddy that just got a, a record deal and his band is blown up mm -hmm. he's been at it for 15 years living in his parents basement playing at strip centers like you know just humbling himself repeatedly, staying on it, working constantly while everyone else buys houses and gets their MBA and does all these things that if he were to compare himself to that, he would have jumped off that ship 10 years ago mm. in order to do what he believed or other people believed 
he should be doing with his life. But he had no other option. He knew that music is what he wanted to do. He would never give up on it. And if it never turned into anything, he was gonna keep grinding at it. So, but once again, he had people around him that were also in, in supportive of that. So, you know, it's it's not just business, it's everything. Like, how much do you believe in yourself and what you wanna do and how important is um, sacrificing now for believing in what you're able to accomplish? 100%. And then are you at peace with, if you actually never accomplish that due to, I mean, you can, your business can be ruined by three snow days in a row. <laughs> like, the reality is, you have to be okay with the fact that if market forces change and there's no coffee next year, and now we can't even buy coffee, or it shoots up to $100, you know, a pound, and now it's unprofitable, like, there are market forces, there are forces all around you that can destroy your business that are out of your control. So you have to understand, too, you're taking a gamble, you're betting in yourself, but it's not even really in your control necessarily. No. All you can do is be the best with what you have, and if it doesn't work, you have to be okay with laying your head on the pillow and saying, I gave it a go, now what do I do? So, and so you have to be comfortable with failure, and you'll probably fail a hundred times. Man, minimum. you gotta fall in love with it, because you know if you don't, I, I think you need to, if you don't like the failure, and you're you know putting those wins on a pedestal, when you do ultimately lose, then that's when you see an entrepreneur going to a shell, going to a shell for three years, and nobody knows what happened to John because his business failed. You know what I mean? When you see it destroyed marriages, like you know, you're so on able to process being a failure that now you can't relate to your wife and your kids and so not only do you lose your business but you allow that to destroy your family mm -hmm. so I think it's really good advice to be prepared for that ahead of time so that if that were to happen you understand where your priorities actually lay that's so real you know so that if it is unfortunate and you know you lose what you're doing you at least keep the actual important things around you which would be you know your family because businesses may come and go they may make you upset rich they may just pay your paycheck mm -hmm. they may go out of business but uh, you know like for me if I lose my wife and kids that's significantly more of an issue for me than losing this thing that I'm creating that I enjoy doing every day I can create something else I'm not gonna create another Stacy Connor and Oliver that's so real and you know you have to get used to rejection that's another thing that you know I talk to people all the time about is and it, it, I think it's very similar to the NFL if you aren't good at rejection hmm. How do you make an NFL career? Because through college, through high school, you're always on a performance basis, right? 100%. They're using you to get what they want out of you, and as long as you perform, and you know, there's politics and a lot of other things involved in all of that, you know, you don't get drafted. Okay, do you still go out for camp? Then you know, you get to a team and they send you to the practice squad and they cut you, and then so you know, you move from practice squad, you get cut from that practice squad, and you miss three game checks, and then you get signed to another place. You got to move your whole family, and then so you're doing that repeatedly whatever your career base may be or your passion may be you're going to get rejected and fail a lot unless you're just a unicorn like you know <laughs> and they, they exist I'm that's not really, one of them that's very true man I, I think I want to actually end it on that note Connor man I really really appreciate you coming on the St. Louis Small Business Podcast and honestly offering, offering your unique perspective on everything that's going on and uh, 
really wish you the best of luck. I guess for the uh, audience and shameless plug, tell us a little bit more about where people can find you at and a little bit more about your businesses that you run. So you can find Chocolate 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 Company on Mid Rivers Mall Drive in St. Peter's. Uh, that's 6217 Mid Rivers Mall Drive. We are also at uh, Bogey Hills Plaza in Deerberg's Upshot Coffee, where we're sitting right now. We're located at 5326 Highway N. That's in Cottleville, Missouri, which is St. Charles County. Uh, we have coffee, juice, bone broth, incredible breakfast menu we've been developing and rolling out. And then Beats and Bones you can find currently at Local Harvest, City Greens, Winslow's Table, here, uh, a cryotherapy chamber in Chesterfield. That is awesome if you guys have not checked them out. It's called Sub-Zero Wellness. And uh, we would encourage you to come in here, have a cup of coffee, buy some juice, get to know us, and hopefully we can help you in some way. And hopefully we can continue to grow our business and get one closer to you if you don't live in St. Charles. That is awesome. I'm Connor, again, thanks again for coming on the show. Absolutely. And, uh, Thank you, Bob. Appreciate you, my friend. Appreciate your time. That was awesome, man. Appreciate that. You uh, crushed that. That's that's a such a such a uh, an amazing story. So many people are going to extract so much value from that because you kept it real, bro. Well, you know that's one thing that I I think a lot of people that get a lot of listens and a lot of follows are telling you a story that is a feel good story. Oh yeah, you don't want the right? feel good. You want the truth. And <laughs> you know. I think I read and listened to a lot of that before I started. And so you have this naive idea of how simple it's going to be. You have a good idea, you're willing to work hard, you're a billionaire, mm -hmm. right? Like that's <laughs> the American dream. We're sold this idea that you can just, you know, have an idea, work hard, and you'll be rich. It's so real. And the reality is that's like, you know, 5% of people that get into business, 95% barely make it, don't make it, it's or living paycheck to paycheck, and they never really get there until 30 years in. So if you're not willing to grind that out, then you're in the wrong business. 150%. Go get a paycheck and you know have another hobby like coaching your kids' soccer teams. To do this, you're not coaching your kids' soccer teams. You'll be lucky to make it to games. That's, that's so real, bro. It's a sacrifice, but it's, it's what you love ultimately. But I think it, a lot of it comes... What's your thoughts on this entrepreneurship just being cool nowadays? Um, I think it's just... Uh, I think the entry level at, 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 in a lot of areas is so low. One thing that I love about this podcasting and YouTube and Instagram, if you're smart and you understand how media works, the entry level is so low now to figuring out how to build something without buying a building having a you know two hundred thousand dollars in equipment like there's smart people I know that build a brand on all of these media platforms manufacture nothing that's it before understand marketing and sell the shit out of stuff they own no inventory really they didn't invest in buildings and manufacturing and yet they still make money so it's it's interesting because the smart ones can figure out how to do it with almost no money, a lot of time and effort, That's and real. learning and being smart. That's so real. I tell people they should think of themselves, no matter what business you're in, as a media company first, and then coffee shop, and then yep. uh, beats and uh, beats and bones. Because if you can't communicate your message, you know, in the 2020 world, you know, what the hell are you doing? Well, and there's, you know, you guys have, you know, are familiar with Alpha Omega. There's Picasso's, and really, St. Charles doesn't have that many coffee shops. <laughs> but everyone and their mother wants to own a coffee shop, so they're opening all the time and so you're going to have this saturation of people around you that are attempting to do the same thing so what what makes you different brand 
right? So, you know, if I just sit here and I have an upshot and I do nothing to communicate what's important to us, to our people, if my staff sucks, then we're, why would you come here? We're trying to create something much bigger than that so that if someone buys that building and puts a coffee shop right there, people the people that I build a relationship with and the brand and the quality of everything we do, you can open three coffee shops there, my people won't give a fuck. That's, That's so ultimately what we're trying to do. That's so real. Is instead of worrying about competition, elevating yourself so much, that competition doesn't necessarily matter. Because it's abundance anyway. One, but two. Once you once you build that brand and that system, you you got it. Question for you because I didn't see it on your Instagram page. I know you have a podcast. Are you? Because it's something that we do, and I, I found it extremely effective. Are you breaking down every episode into say a forty-five minute episode? Say this episode, for example. I think a lot of people in today's society put too much value on the full 40 minute interview. You know, you see on Instagram, you see on LinkedIn, hey guys, new episode out, link in bio, go check it out. One thing that we do is, one of their core jobs is actually taking every episode and now breaking it down into say 15 timestamps where you said something that was funny, educational, or informative that is 100% gonna bring value to like the end consumer. And then now we'll post those 15 to 20 videos on Instagram, LinkedIn, all that, because now it's driving more awareness to, hmm, that was an awesome two-minute clip by Connor. Where the hell do I see the rest of that interview at? That's fascinating. No, no we, we literally just started ours. So okay. our first one posted, I think, last Friday. Okay, we shot yeah, our yeah. second one yesterday. I'm shooting our third one tonight. So awesome. we're you. just getting into that. When into we that break game. down this episode, I'm going to send you. I saw it on your Instagram where it's like, how to buy an apartment building for thirteen thousand yep. dollars? And there's a clip of you and your buddy talking, yep. and you know explaining how that happened. So I, I think I understand what you're talking about. But no, I haven't thought about that. When you add the upper third, instantly catches your attention. How to buy a third? What the fuck? How do I, what, how do, I do it? And then on top of that, what people don't realize is 80% of videos on social media are watched without the sound on. So if you don't have those subtitles that you see in the video, you're missing out on 80% of your audience. You're talking about the text underneath the video, or you're talking about the, the subtitle no, on the actual video? The, like the text under it, like so this. Um, like we were just talking, this. Okay. Because most people are at work, they're at school, they're at, they're watching a movie with their spouse and they've got their phone on their hip and they're just scrolling and if the sound goes off like that, they freak the fuck out and like, oh. And if you don't have subtitles, you're missing out on 80% of your audience. It's actually. And if you, so when you, as you guys get started, if you look through my Instagram page to make videos like this, I dropped a six minute clip exactly showing, like literally walking you through hand in hand the app that I use, how to add this up. It, takes, it literally takes six minutes to do to do it all on the back end. Um, but I literally explained it all out right there. I'll, I'll make sure I'll DM it to you. Um, I love that, man. That's a great idea. 100%. We're still extreme learning. So we're essentially setting up guests that we find interesting that we probably at this point just have a relationship with because we're not a big deal by any means. And so like going, hey, uh, Bill Gates, would you like to be on our podcast? It's not going to consider, though. You guys are trying to, I don't know if you guys are still expanding. I know you have a core uh, relationship with a couple businesses in the area with your fresh juices in the refrigerators. Are you still trying to expand with that or no? Oh, yeah. You should try and get owners of restaurants oh, we are. that you want. In fact, I think we're going to do an Upshot podcast and a Beats and Bones podcast. And my goal with that is to get 
the guy from you know uh, Alpha Omega on there. Picasso's because St. Charles is this weird thing that I've noticed that where like everyone has their own little territory. No yeah, really you, guys you, guys you guys aren't competing. I feel like it's collaboration really. over competition. I mean, I well, and even so, like if you're not scared of competition and you can build each other up, I think it's better all around. So 100%. I'd like to attack this thing with St. Because I noticed that when I was doing the chocolates too, like everyone has like no one really collaborates together more. So Everyone's got their own little, you know, three acres and just leave me alone type of <laughs> so And good. I and they probably think I think the same way. So I'm gonna start to reach out to people and just say, let's talk about your shop, even though it goes against me talking about my shop. 100%. Like let's build each other up and have a relationship and let's try to make people aware of all the coffee. Because if you live off Main Street, you know, and you don't come to Cottleville, why am I worried that you're gonna listen to my podcast and go to Picasso's? It doesn't bother me. It's so real. So, you know, why not build other people up in the meanwhile and get everyone kind of on the same page to where... Have you heard of Gary Vee's high school party rule? <laughs> so, back in high school, your junior year, there was someone who was a C on the popularity scale, and junior year, they had the luxury of their parents being away on the weekends. So they hosted the party and let all the popular kids come and drink and hook up. By the end of senior year, they were an A in terms of popularity. And I think, same exact thing on the podcast, you bring in the local thought leaders, you become a thought leader yourself. Yeah. I like that. So that's kind of what we're, we're looking at, is how do we outreach to anyone else that's interesting, you know, that we can kind of bring in-house and have a conversation. And, you know, I think anytime you can get to know a business owner that you support one way or another. 100%. Have a connection to that business owner. So whether you're going to give me business or him business, either way, we're winning if you understand who we are. Absolutely. One thing you should consider, and this is what I'm doing, um, and I'm going to invite you. So every 10 episodes of this St. Louis Small Business Podcast, say, say a room just like this, I'm going to have all 10 guests all in a room like this, and I'll just talk about the current state of the market Done. in the small business space. Get to episode 20. You can reinvite the first 10 or not, but continue to do that even with your show it, it literally invites your, your, your previous 10 guests on it it allows you it's hard being an entrepreneur mover and shaker you know how hard it is to stay in contact with everyone in your network because you have so many fucking people in your network doing something like that is just a way to not have to obviously okay I have to get coffee with all 10 of these people to continue to follow up whereas instead put all of them in the same room bring out some coffee some food whatever whatever and I'll just talk about the state of the union and just record it, obviously, because now that's more content on the back end, another podcast, another 15 videos that you can post, and people see that. Connor. How the fuck is Connor have all these people in this one, you know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a finesse in that sense. I think uh, with what you're doing with that show, it, it'll, and because you have the location and the, everything right here, you should definitely look into something like that. Um, yeah, dude. We're, we're open to looking at all that stuff. That's awesome. We're I have to learning. order a sandwich to go for my fiance. And I gotta go because I need to catch this flight at 11. Done. I'm gonna start. You just want a regular breakfast sandwich.